This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 164, Nick Ebden on Hypnotic Dialogue. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. Change the words that you're saying to yourself, and you can easily change your mind. Hey, it's Jason Lynette welcoming you back to the program, and joining me this week is Nick Ebden, direct from the UK, chatting about his history, moving from a career in finance and trading, then of course into the natural progression from that into hypnosis, and then of course we're going to spend some time talking about the upcoming UK Hypnosis Convention. You can learn more about Nick by heading over to his website, nickebden.org, links over in the show notes of course at WorkSmartHypnosis. As well as all the details for the upcoming UK Hypnosis Convention, which is happening November 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. And all the details for that are at UKHypnosisConvention.net. In this conversation, just some of the highlights I want to present to you before you actually listen to the conversation, of course, are the concepts of working conversationally with your client, having these moments to respectfully call out mindsets and principles and get that change process in motion even before the hypnotic process officially, perceptually begins to say it that way. So you're going to hear some interesting nuances of leveraging a career, working with people in trading, and how that really converts over to nearly everything we do as hypnotists, whether it's working with fears, working with relationships, working with quitting smoking, losing weight, and how at its core, we're changing that internal dialogue. And Nick has some incredible stories in terms of how to address that. I share the stage here, of course, to also point you over to the UK Hypnosis Convention, which is happening at the Renaissance London Heathrow Hotel. Again, the dates for that are November 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. I'm excited to be there for the first time attending that convention. Um, Other presenters at that, of course, are going to be Anthony Jackwin, Beryl Comar, Dan Cleary, I'm going through the list here, Uh, Eugen Popa, uh, Freddie Jackwin, Frederick Mao, Jurgen Rasmussen, uh, looking through the list here. Haven't seen Inez Simpson live in person for a while. I get to hang out with her once again. Melissa Tears, Michael C. Anthony, Sheila Granger, Roy Hunter. It's an incredible lineup. Check out that event. And again, it's at the London Heathrow location of the Renaissance Hotel. Very affordable to travel to. And the rave reviews, it's why I'm looking forward to being there for the first time myself. For those of you that are local to London areas, I'd encourage you to join me at Work Smart Hypnosis live in London. This is a two-day training where we're going to be applying the same principles to enhance your sessions in session with clients in terms of getting better hypnotic phenomenon, getting better results with your clients, and how we can take these same hypnotic principles and apply them to your business. So in a profession of people, let me call it out, who so often are struggling to get new clients and fill up their practices, well, it turns out a lot of the same strategies you're already using are the same principles you can use to pack your office and grow your hypnosis business. Get all the details for that event over at worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash UK. Again, that's June 9th and 10th. It's coming up very soon. 
worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash UK, or join us all in November at the UK Hypnosis Convention. And with that, let's jump directly into this fascinating conversation. This is session number 164, Nick Ebden on Hypnotic Dialogue. Uh, well, uh, those that don't know my story, my background is actually as a uh, metals trader and uh, head of the metals desk at Morgan Stanley, uh, obviously a big US investment bank. Um, I was there a number of years trading successfully, but the, the, the price I paid for that was living in almost permanent stress. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that first, my first experience with hypnosis and NLP was when I found myself unable to sleep. Um, this is going back, must be you know, 16, 17 years now. Um, unable to sleep, so I, uh, I went on the yellow pages at the time and found an NLP master practitioner and hypnotherapist. And that was my first experience. Um, they, uh, within a couple of sessions, helped me, um, uh, might I say, along with uh, practical uh, advice as well, helped me uh, curb uh, the insomnia. I was only solving at the time by drinking a bottle of port a night, mm-hmm. which isn't isn't healthy. So they tell me <laughs> um, it's it's great for it's great for wild and vivid dreams, but um, not for your liver. So yes, yes. But after a couple of sessions uh, uh, with this NLP lady, I, I found myself um, uh, sleeping uh, more routinely, um, and uh, that sparked a fascination with the mind and. Um, and just what was possible and what could be achieved. Um, so I, I sort of started reading um, bits and bobs, and but not really committing to anything. And then a number of years later, uh, funny, the more successful I got, the more stressed I got, mm-hmm. which, which I'm sure most of your listeners would have heard a thousand times, especially the practicing therapists and coaches. So um, I found myself... Uh, suffering from really bad stress, ended up making a complete arse of myself in the dealing room, breaking down, tears, everything, um, and then getting signed off um, for eight weeks, a couple of months, something like that. Um, seeing a CBT therapist, um, and, and then uh, subsequently a hypnotherapist and, and coach on the side. Uh, the, the firm was very supportive at the time, and it, it sort of afforded me a bit of time and space to start exploring this stuff. Read a couple of fantastic books, uh, Human Givens, obviously ri- written by a couple of hypnotherapists. Um, and um, after that, I sort of started reevaluating my life, what I wanted to do. Um, when, I, when I went back to Morgan Stanley, uh, because I was doing this additional reading and researching and stuff and, and the sort of transformation that I had made in myself, I started helping a number of people uh, within the bank uh, who were overcoming similar issues. And I kind of just got a bit of a uh, bug for it. And I, I ended up studying uh, cognitive behavioral therapy first and then subsequently um, hypnotherapy. And, um, and, and then sort of... Uh, Kept kept a, a double life going, so I was trading and advising. I was a trading consultant. I left Morgan Stanley after that, um, after after learning all this much more interesting stuff. Um, I decided that my career at the time had come as far as it had, um, and I wanted to explore helping other people. 
um, I'm sure you know Jason, a lot of people doing our work come from having experienced it on the other side of the desk. Yeah, and I'd love to rewind that back for a moment in terms of, you know, here's this experience where there you were as the client, and how how quickly did that shift occur for you? I know you said a, num a number of sessions, yet what was part of that experience of getting that foot in the door just on the personal side? Um, you mean, sorry, uh, you mean how, when did I notice that there was that real change? Yes. Um, you know what, there was, a, there was a, probably a number of stages um, um, along the way that um, I, I, I realised, well, first of all, it, it dawned on me very quickly that from a personal perspective, I had a hell of a lot of work to do. Mm -hmm. uh, the way I framed the world around me, the, the relationships I had with people, both on a personal level, on a family level, on a personal level. I was, I was looking at it from only one perspective. Um, the way I was talking to myself, I was only talking uh, from a very rigid perspective. Um, and when I started to explore that, which helped with um, a wonderful uh, cognitive therapist in Harley Street, just literally challenging everything I said. Yes. And, and not just that, but also, and, and something that stuck with me with my own work, uh, making me very aware of emotionally where i was when i was saying it as well right right uh, which 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 is a wonderful <laughs> if you've got that awareness in in your toolbox you can help people just just knowing that just knowing that when people are emotional and their uh, and their emotions are aroused they're giving themselves some really powerful hypnotic suggestions um and and it was that realization that i thought you know what not not only have i been doing things wrong I haven't been doing things wrong for, for any bad reason or anything, but I have been doing things wrong, seeing things wrong, um, responding in a wrong way. But I also had that realisation that, do you know what, if I can control the emotional side of stuff, um, I, I can actually have a lot more choice, personal choice, how I respond in any situation. And to highlight that, part of that was changing your own, your own dialogue in terms of how you were talking about it? Yeah. Well, first of all, it's actually controlling the emotion. Yes. Um, you know, that was something as well. I know, I know I've mentioned it before in other podcasts. The human given the book, I don't agree with everything in there, but one of the things it said is if you can control the emotion first or, or redirect the emotion, then that internal dialogue takes on a whole new level. Um, and, and, you, and you've got a, a whole new level of control over it. When I work with people, especially up here in the city, you know, I want to hear how they're talking to themselves, and and sometimes I have to I have to uh, stimulate that emotional level, make them angry, make them pissed off, sorry, uh, make them uh, annoyed, <laughs> um, and, and what have you, because you you'll notice that internal dialogue does actually change. You know, we we, we interface with people and we talk in one way, um, and we talk to ourselves sometimes quite differently. So so it was that awareness in. in where I noticed a change in myself was was that that ability to change that internal dialogue. Right. And I mean, I'd share a quick anecdote here of here's someone I was working with recently that it was all of these situations involving their their ex. And six years after the divorce, he's still referring to her as his wife. And, and as soon as we <clears> got that language to start to shift, 
you know, suddenly now he goes, oh, I was in this, you know, meeting that we had. There was still some business that was going on. You know, I was in this meeting and suddenly it's like, oh, wait, that's that's my ex-wife. Okay, yeah, we're not married anymore. And he goes, surprisingly, just by changing those labels, it was no longer that issue. Or, I mean, this this sort of learned helplessness pattern where they're still placing the label of the problem on themselves even when they're they're beyond it. Is that is that kind of the theme of where you're going with this? Oh yeah, I mean, I, I had, I mean, just for the example of where I was at that time when I was suffering from stress, I had labels for everybody, and and I only looked for evidence and behaviours and dialogue that supported the label that I'd given them, mm-hmm. um, and and then that fueled my own internal dialogue about how unfair they were being, how unreasonable they were being, etc., etc., etc. I think I think labels are very important. I, I think how you label people um, is very important. You know, you know that internal language for me is everything. I think, yes. I think so many. I think the focus now in our profession is far too much on um, new fad techniques mm-hmm. rather than educating and empowering people that if they've just got that certain amount of control over how they talk to themselves in any situation, then they are, to, to coin an LP term, the most flexible element in any room. Um, Do you find there's, yeah. a, there's a finesse in terms of how to add that into the process? Because let's put that into the context of they're coming to somebody who is specifically the hypnotist. And now, yes, we know the entire process is hypnosis, yet sometimes from the client perspective, it's the expectation of now my eyes are closed. Now we're actually doing the work, which which does put us at a huge advantage in terms of how suggestible we can turn the process into the intake, you know, time in terms of how we talk about what's going to happen. But do you find there's any finesses in terms of how to do that? Let's call it out conscious reprogramming before going into that subconscious work, even though we know it's all subconscious work. Mm, um. Well, I mean, I'll use an example of, of the people that I see up uptown. So, so the the most lucrative and the, and, and the main core of my business is referrals from traders and brokers and this and the other. Um, because of my background, I, I can I, I've already um, won them over a little bit because of what I've achieved in my previous career. Yes, but um, to get them to understand that dialogue, it does. Some people, some people, you can just hit over the head and say you're, you're you know, you're talking BS, um, and and that challenge is enough is enough to confuse them and stop them, and then you can say and here's why, um, and and you can draw on past experiences, you can draw on your own experiences, um, with other people, you 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 know, with that eye shut that you mentioned, you then put them into a situation, so. Invariably, well, I say invariably, I'm probably going to contradict myself here, but um, let's just say it's a trader and he's got these six screens in front of him. Uh, and I'll get him to imagine himself there and everything's going wrong and he's been bombarded, his senses are being bombarded with all this information. Um, I want then him to relay some of that internal dialogue that he would be experiencing in that situation. And, and do you know what? When, when you do it enough with people, you can tell the difference between someone telling you what they think you want to hear 
Yes. And and someone actually um, telling you what they would say to themselves in that situation. And um, you've got to be confident enough to challenge it. That's why, you know, if, if there's nothing wrong with niching, for instance, like I niche mainly um, with uh, traders or people who suffer from acute stress or depression, this, that, and the other, because I'm familiar with the dialogue. I'm familiar with the, the self-lies that people talk because I've heard them enough. I've also got the experience of knowing that what they're telling you doesn't fit in that environment with what they're saying they're experiencing then. So so then there's a little finesse. You can challenge it in a subtle way where, no, go back again. And this is happening in this market. This is happening in this market. Now tell me what you're really thinking. Um, and what, what you're really thinking and then what you're really saying to yourself. Um, and, and I know a lot of hypnotists don't like um, mentioning cognitive therapists, but if you, if you look at some of the classic cognitive errors of thinking, you can invariably tick off a few of them when a person sat in that situation. Um, you know, and they'll make very black and white statements or, or they'll start catastrophizing or, or what have you in those um, situations. And, and, and like I say, sometimes I can, I'm confident enough in my own ability that I can uh, tell people to shut up and tell me the truth. <laughs> yeah. But also as well, sometimes you have to, you have to go back to situations and, and say, right, well, now look at it for a slightly different way. And that's a kind of gentle way of saying, I didn't believe what you told me the first time. Let's go back there and find out what you're really saying to yourself. Well, it's a balance too of, I found, you know, one of the phrases that would often work its way if we're in that sort of, you know, restructuring language mindset of just using the phrase of, and of course, this is what we're going to strengthen during the session today. Mm. So giving it that little bit of a frame that, you know, yes, we're educating in that moment. Yes, we're guiding in a new direction. You have to fold in that little bit of a frame of, and this is what we're also going to strengthen as part of the work. And I mean, yes, that's what we're going to do as part of the hypnotic session. What are, I'm curious to ask you this, what are some of those tendencies that pop up when working with those traders what are some of those patterns that they're most often looking to overcome well you know what you know i just mentioned i was going to contradict myself mm -hmm. um what i found working with people well, working with people in the city um in general you know I, I do see a lot of traders i do see a lot of brokers but i also see a lot of corporate sales staff so uh, people who aren't brokers but work for banks and sort of hedge funds and and, and big corporate organisations. Also, see a lot of senior management. And generally, the work isn't always the problem. It can be their relationships. You know, when one of the prices you pay when you're very uh, as you know the average Joe on the street, you might be working 78 hour weeks. Um, and that puts strain on personal relationships, on family dynamics and stuff like that. So, um, you know, even though a, a, a trader will be telling me it's all about him losing money, it's all about um, the pressure from the boss to make money, it's all about the competitive guy next door who's gunning for his job. It's all about how the markets hate him and he's the unluckiest <laughs> man in the whole wide world and it's everyone else's fault. When you start peeling it back, well, do you know what? He actually was trading crap that day because he'd had a, a fourth row with his missus in a fortnight. Um, and all these things 
you know, uh, are, are interwoven. Um, most, I'd, I'd say, I'd, I'd love, do you know what? I'd love to go back and actually get a real hard number, but so much of when people come in with what they would call trading or stress issues is actually relationship issues. Mm-hmm. And, 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 they're, and they're not mutually exclusive either, but, uh, you know, sometimes to divert away from the presenting problem. I think it's Jürgen Rasmussen who says, you know, he never takes the initial frame when when a, a client comes in. And and I think I think that's a good attitude to have. Yeah, I share the so, anec- so, 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 the, the, yeah, the brief know. anecdote that there's a man who came into my office and his whole he was actually involved with trading and his whole strategy was that on a big news day for, you know, one of the bigger stocks he would ride that stock day trading it in and out several times and maybe it's an apple release day and the stock may have realized a 4 or 5% gain but the way he would track everything and buy it sell it buy it sell it he'd realize about 3 or 4 times that percentage and suddenly his strategy was slipping and he's explaining you know i'm second guessing myself i'm doubting myself and i'm losing everything even though the stock has gone up and I loved him for the fact that he leaned in and he smiles and he goes, and you and I know this has nothing to do with stocks. Like, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, do, do you know what? It's, um, there was a guy who came to see me. This was a number of years ago now. And um, he, 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 he tried to tell me he was a trader and, and I asked for his background. And, and because, he, because it was a referral of a referral, he, he hadn't looked into my background at all, and he just come because someone else had said, you need to go and see this guy. So he popped along. He starts talking at me and lecturing me about trading. Um, and he'd actually come because he wasn't making money. And, and one of the very first opening gambits that he said when he was talking to me was, I've got this foul-proof trading system. And I laughed at him. I said, a foul-proof training system where you can't make money. I said, it sounds brilliant. Why aren't you a billionaire? And he, and he kind of got shitty with me and, and was like, um, who are you to, to judge? So I sort of played along with it, and I was like, well, let's just hear this trading system. And, and he tried to explain it, and I, I've got to be honest with you. I was underwhelmed, mm-hmm. to say the least. Um, and I, and um, I said to him, why aren't you using it? If you know, if it is this, it, and, and I said, what do you want to be, or what do you want to do, or you know, he said, I want to make my mark on the world, and I know that if people start using this trading system, that um, I could become a millionaire. And 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 I'm not being funny. I started having a little giggle at his expense again, and I said, but you can't sell it because it doesn't make any money. Um, and then he and, th- and then he said basically, which you know. I don't mind pushing a few buttons to to reveal what's really going on with people. He then said, oh, I, you know, the system works, but I overtrade. And I wasn't prepared to let it go. I said, well, if it works, you wouldn't have to overtrade. Mm-hmm. He said, well, then I'm getting impatient. Um, I said, but you can't sell it if it's a system that requires patience. So, it, so anyway, he, he, he ended up getting really, really angry with me. And basically he said, who the F are you? Um, to criticise my, um, you know, my trading strategies and this and the other. And I said, well, firstly, anyone who says that they've got a strategy uh, that is going to make them rich and and uh, notorious in the financial markets but doesn't make money 
if they can sell that, you should be in sales, not in trading. Um, I said, but um, let me tell you about my past experience and blah, blah, blah. So then, and then you got all a little humble. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and there was just this switch where he basically said, look, I'm divorced. Um, I got divorced because I lost all my in-laws' money uh, speculating. Uh, I've had a failed career in, in this bank and this bank and this bank. Um, I'm now lonely because I'm embarrassed that I'm a failure, that I've I alienated myself from my friends, uh, this, that, and the other. And this goes back to this inter, you know, this internal label and this internal uh, soundbite that anyone can give themselves in, in a negative situation. He started believing his own hype. Mm-hmm. That that he that even though all the evidence was there to the contrary, he convinced himself so much that even in times of being completely wrong, that he was right, that he believed it, and 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 it and it allowed him to carry on this destructive course that cost him a marriage, and actually cost him his friends. His friends hadn't dropped him; he dropped them out of embarrassment. Um, and, and you know what? You can do all the therapy in the world, but someone like that is not going to be fixed with a snap of the fingers. Um, I said to him, the first thing you need to do is go and reconnect with your friends. Because you're not, either, whatever we do is only going to be temporary if you've got no one there to share it with. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I still believe that some of the best therapy is chatting to a good friend or being in the right environment. Said, and, and now you're alienating yourself and isolating yourself. Um, we'll work on the other stuff. I said, because then you're going to be in a better frame of mind to accept when I say to you, that isn't a good system. You're not going to get defensive. Um, well, I mean, at its core, to look at the story, there's something inside of the story that's probably a part in some way just to really oversimplify everything is kind of what brings anybody into a hypnotic experience that here they are stuck in a pattern where on some level of the mind, they've convinced themselves, this works for me. Mm. And yet it's that realization that this doesn't work for me. So the one who's been smoking cigarettes 30 years, because, well, that's what relaxes me. That's what helps me to unwind and to reach that place of the smack of reality that no, it's not. Uh, Here I am in this, you know, situation speaking. And while it may not be a conscious decision to feel fearful and anxious, you know, there's some way that's protecting them. So we're taking something that in some way perceived to have worked at one point and then kind of calling that out in a respectful way and then introducing that new pattern. That's basically the pattern behind so much of all of this. Yeah. And, and do you know what? I mean, you mentioned, uh, you know, the traders that come to see you. They, they, they're making mistakes and, and, and it's almost like they've got no control over stopping them because like say one particular time it worked or or, or what have you and and it's that it's that whole ability to imagine yourself you know you can imagine yourself and it can be extremely positive and beneficial or it can be extremely damaging but we're working with the scope of the imagination you know our skills are how we can get a client to utilize that imagination positively um because, like you say, they've they've utilised it in a very damaging way. You know, th- this guy imagined himself on a yacht, probably with a load of bikini-clad babes <laughs> around him. He's probably got a picture of Leo DiCaprio in Wolf of Wall Street. You beat me to the reference. <laughs> on, his, on, his, on his bedroom ceiling, 
But it, 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 imagining himself in that position has cost him probably the best woman he's ever met, probably overly generous in-laws that he's not going to find again. And, and, and it was costing him his friends and his sanity because he couldn't shake imagining himself in that situation. And it was, it was running rough, roughshod over everything. Now, that is something that plays itself out in the city time and time again. You know, the, the damaged relationships of, of, of these people imagining themselves as better and bigger than they actually are. You know, I, I think there's nothing wrong with a little bit of interjecting humility into all your clients. Build up confidence, build up self-esteem, but also have a little bit of humility because they're imagining themselves in a totally cockeyed and skewed way and 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 it just plays out in how they trade how they talk to their clients and how they talk to their co-workers how they talk to uh people around them so so being brave enough to sometimes prick that image that bubble that they've built um, and tear it down and get them to build a, a more constructive and beneficial one um you know so I, I think the problem with a lot of hypnotherapists is is that they're prepared to accept the image that the client thinks they want or or turns up with and presents with um, because they're too technique driven. They're not actually listening to what that client's seeing, what that client's experiencing. And and sometimes, especially in the case of people up in the city, how they're deluding themselves. Well, I mean, it also brings to mind that, you know, the shifting of rapport in a certain direction is not just blindly building rapport because we've learned these strategies in our NLP trainings. <laughs> and, you know, this is how we get the person to know, like, and trust us. It's that ability that sometimes in a slightly respectful confrontational way, do you like all the modifiers on that, in a slightly <laughs> respectful <laughs> modifying, you know, confrontational way to call something out. And it it doesn't have to be that phrase, which is kind of the hack way of doing it now of, well, how's that working out for you? You know, but to recognize that, you know, they may be again stuck in that old story, which we're helping them to dissociate out of and change the pictures in the mind, change the dialogue, change the language, change the thinking. And again, to interrupt it, to, to give that pattern interrupt rather than, oh, okay, good, close your eyes and all positive. Yeah. Well, do you know what? But unfortunately, I think a lot of hypnotherapists just go straight into the hypnotherapy script. Mm -hmm. and, and they don't, that's not even a consideration for them. You know, I've got these big bushy eyebrows that I keep well-groomed. But I use them effectively. When someone's telling me, <laughs> telling me something that I don't believe, they'll pop up, you know, like a baboon that's seen a threat. And I'm like, really? That You know, that got sort of, I don't believe anything you just told me, sort of expression on my face. Um, and and that's really when the work begins. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you, can, you can do so much conversationally, but probably not how you talk to do hypnosis conversationally, but it's actually more about being aware of when that internal dialogue's firing off, when people are confused, when they're more suggestible, uh, when they're actually looking uh, for a space to be filled with a suggestion and, and stuff like that. And, and it's great in the city, and, and I've kind of been forced to teach myself in some respects because my background works for and against me. So I'll give you an example of where it works for me, where, where some young upstarts telling me how to trade, and I can say to him, well, I was head of uh, Metals Risk at uh, Morgan Stanley in 2010, 
and then like oh oh but <laughs> but also as well when people come for me as a referral when i was first up in the city i'd say you know i'm a hypnotherapist and you'd get a few people that i i knew or knew of people i knew and they'd scoff and they'd expect me to go through the rituals and they'd expect me to do this and do that and and it was kind of um limiting me to us you know some people just don't don't buy into it and you have to accept that but if you're flexible enough where you can sit there and, and start going to work as soon as you're talking um one and then when you've got that rapport and rapport doesn't have to be liking each other you know i think that's another mistake people make it doesn't have to be sitting there picking your nose when they pick their nose <laughs> crossing the legs and they cross their legs. It doesn't have to be liking the same things, talking the same way, this, that, now. It just has to be making a connection where what you're saying is going to get through. Um, and, you know, some I can have a conversation with, sometimes, uh, with someone and sometimes that conversation has to go down different routes than someone else. So, so I invariably uh, don't use uh, the word hypnosis that much anymore so what are you uh, using instead uh, uh i use results coaching or mm-hmm. consulting but when i'm actually talking to them now whereas i i used to along with everyone else would would you know say right let's do it now um and and, and when i first started out I'd go through the checklist ask for their permission do this do that is it okay blah 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 I'd be talking to someone, say, look, just consider, oh, tell me what, just shut your eyes a minute, just consider this, or just imagine this, or put yourself in this situation, um, and then we're there. And as you know, Jason, as well, a lot of the times you're there where their eyes are still open, they're still talking to you, um, but you know that what you're saying is having a slightly different effect on them than when they first walked in the room. And, and occasionally they'll just walk in the room and they're there anyway, mouth's half a gate. <laughs> And, and you can start firing in positive suggestions straight away. But, um, yeah, um, I don't, I, I'm not ashamed to say that I don't use the word hypnosis. I use hypnosis, but I don't use the word hypnosis half as much as I used to. Yeah, I mean, I found a similar through line that I'm still using the word, but somehow to use the word hypnotic applied to coaching. Uh, so it's hypnotic coaching they can hear that there's a bit of a delineation that yes, there's a portion of close your eyes, let's do the work. Um, and bit at the same time, calling out these moments conversationally up. Yeah, this is already in process. This is already in motion. Hmm. I think as well, I think if you hang on the hypnotherapy element or the hypnosis element too much, you miss the fact that some people coming to you need nothing more than a bit of common sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and some practical applications to correct their problems. Not they, they don't have to be in a trance. Now, now whether you still have to work with them for them to buy the suggestions that you're giving them, you know, that's a whole conversation in itself. But um, uh, you know, I um, I think the first convention, I, I I foolishly thought that I could present my own hour. Um, and, and I've done this very condensed uh, thing about trading the subconscious, which was a training thing I did about working with traders. And one of the key things I said there was not every person that comes to see you needs therapy. Um, and, and not everyone that comes to see you is going to need um, hypnosis mm-hmm. or hypnosis as they know it 
or you know it or, or, or what have you. Sometimes uh, it can just be a, a it can be an honest chat. Sometimes it can just be uh, the ability to unload. And then once they've unloaded, for, for um, they then become more suggestible anyway. Um, and sometimes it's just why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Um, you know, I, I think a, a, a hypnotist has to be able to step back and, 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 and get out of his own way sometimes, where, where he doesn't have to he doesn't have to conduct a hypnosis session with every client that he has. Well, I mean, to that look makes, at it, that yeah, makes sense. it does make sense. I'm flashing to a story of a woman I worked with that the whole issue was early osteoporosis and the doctor recommending she exercise and that involved them negotiating that she would swim regularly and she's got the diet in check she's got everything else in order and yet she hasn't been exercising and it was a funny experience because we had met together at this point three times and to find out it was a conscious divide that was really keeping her back from swimming uh not fear of water or something that we would expect as the hypnotist but no she didn't have a place to go swimming yet <laughs> the, the, the nuts and bolts of where are you going to go um, was just this obvious question I never thought to ask. And, you know, the, the wonders of being the slight techno geek, I'm going, okay, well, come sit by my computer and let's find you somewhere. And she signs up for a YMCA location near her home from my office computer, prints out her guest pass. And I've kept up with this woman. She's swimming regularly like three or four times a week now. So it was a strategy issue. It was a, I, I got to call out a bit of a common sense issue of, you know, the old jo joke about my dog speaks. Well, he's not saying anything. Yeah, but he doesn't have anything to say. That there has to be some bit of conscious thing, which then we can take that action hypnotically. And now that you've got the place to swim, you're going to be doing this. Now, as you're there in the water, you'll be noticing that the same way as, you know, many people with the stop smoking process would hinge it off of now that you've thrown off at those cigarettes, now that you're eating in this specific way to branch the hypnotic suggestions off of the action. Yet, you know, to put that in motion first, I think is often necessary to get the change actually happening. Oh, absolutely. You know, I love that bit you just said about just having a client there and just cranking open the computer. Mm -hmm. you, you know, I, I think some people, sometimes a therapy room can be such a sterile environment. So, they're in the chair, you're in your chair, the wows are singing, humming their song <laughs> in the background. Um, you know, and Which is a bad choice when they've got the fear of whales, but go on. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I love the idea of just come around here and have a look at this. You know, when people, when you depress people or people are in a rut, and I think it was um, uh, Jordan B. Peterson. Um, he recently said, you know, if if you haven't got a job, get a job, even if it's not the job that you want to do. Um, and, and it kind of really um, it hit a point with me because it reminded me of a client uh, where he said, you know, there's nothing out there. When I was talking about getting a job, this was some time ago now. And I said, what do you mean there's nothing out there? What do you want to do? I don't know. And I was like, well, let's do something. And, I, I, I you know, I opened the computer um, and it was clear that he hadn't even tried to look at a job, but he'd made the statement, there's nothing out there. And this goes back to that internal thing. We don't know how powerful that statement is, but it could be powerful enough to actually that he believes on every fundamental level there is nothing out there for him. Mm -hmm. 
So, so actually get that, you know, that proactive element of, well, let's have a look. Um, and I've got to be honest with you, the first sight was absolutely terrible. I even found myself going, oh, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. But um, it was just the action of, well, do it. Have a look. You know, be proactive. And, and then he subsequently did go home and start looking. Um, but, it, you know, sometimes you just have to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that, that's a wider thing about depressed people and, and, and working busy. But, you know, th- these are, again, this is why I, I like working with people like that. Some of, some of the internal dialogue that depressed people have is just incredible. Depressed people and jealous people tell themselves the most amazing things sometimes, and, and they just believe it. Um, yeah, just fascinating. Again, it goes back to that imagination. They believe some of that crap to be absolutely real. There's, uh, yeah, there's the experience of taking, working with clients and changing some of the dialogue. I'm curious to hear sort of the lineage of leveraging the career as the person in, in finance and trading, then discovering hypnosis, moving into that. Which then leads us to, of course, the UK Hypnosis Convention. Oh yeah, yeah. What's what's the origin story behind that? Um, well, if you're a fan of the UK Hypnosis Convention, I'll take all credit for it. <laughs> if you're not, then blame Hans Rudy Whip uh, <laughs> from from Omni. Um, it actually started. Um, oh God, I'm getting old now. You know, you, you know, you're old, or you just lose track of years. So I think oh, I tell you what it was. We was I was um, over with training with the late Jerry Kine, and, and I was having a beer with Hans, and he was telling me about Hypno Congress in um, Zurich, and uh, he said, "Why don't you do something in uh, London?" Because I was saying, you know, the only thing we had in London that was, was all association based. So, you know, uh, there were these annual. Um, organizational meetings but there's nothing really truly independent um, of, of any scope there used to be there used to be something fantastic called change phenomena that uh, Anthony Jacqueline used to do um, and and he'd get uh, a number of speakers together and and I, I said to I said to um, Hans I said well if Anthony's not doing one this year I'll do it but there's no point doing one if if change phenomena is going to happen again um, which so it would have been 2016, and as as luck would have it, Anthony wasn't doing one. Um, so I said, "Oh, let's just give it a go." So we, so I, um, I, you know, I used the full, very similar format. Well, very similar to the NGH, really, just multi-track. Um, and I, um, and Hans had replicated it to a certain degree over in Zurich, um, and I said, "Well, let's just use that and see how it goes." And um, it it got a modest it got modest what was that? modest footfall the first year, but great feedback, great response. Um, I managed to uh, lie and bluff my way into getting a load of great presenters, <laughs> um, and uh, they believed it all. They lapped it up, um, bribed a few, threatened a few others, and, and managed to get quite a good crop of uh, speakers. And then it was a success. So. Obviously, I had to do it for a second year to make back the money that I'd spent bribing the first lot to turn up. Um, and the, the following year, last year, 
Um, it was really successful. It was just it was as good as I could have wanted it to go in the second year. So um, I've tried to do it because I'm independent. I used to I used to be a trainer for the NGH and Omni, and, and I thought you know to to really sell it properly and and for own personal reasons as well, I decided that I wouldn't even be training. So so I thought one of one of the selling points of the UK hypnosis convention is apart from obviously if I sell out. Um, I've got nothing to gain from mm. it. Um, it was it was done with putting something on in the UK that, that was being replicated with Hypno Thoughts and the NGH and Hypno Congress uh, around the world, but um, the UK didn't really have. Um, and and, and the, the hypnosis community was incredibly supportive. They bought into it uh, from the get go, um, and I think it's got I think it's got its own atmosphere. Yeah, and the, yeah. the details for the convention, of course, are over at UKHypnosisConvention.net. Um, share a little bit more about the event this year, which is uh, November 2nd through 4th. Yeah, so so I've, so every year on year, I've, I've tried to listen to the feedback. So so this year, as I did in last year, I listened to the feedback for those in attendance or those uh, intending to attend, but obviously mainly those in attendance so they could uh, give me as much constructive criticism as I, as I needed to improve. Um, this year, after after uh, getting feedback, we've added an additional day. So like you say, it starts on the 2nd, so it's Friday, Saturday, and the Sunday, where previously, the last two years, it was two days. Obviously, adding on that additional day has given us scope to add on additional speakers. Um, so we, we kind of were happy that three tracks worked. You know, some of the bigger conventions, the first time I, you wouldn't remember the first time I met you, I think it was 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just this lowly guy <laughs> uh, milling around um, uh, in the NGH convention in uh, Marlborough. And um, I, I did notice that the problem I had then was too much choice. Um, Which is so a good problem to have, but yeah, still a problem. It's a nice problem to have, but it's still a problem. Yeah. So, so we, I think we had four tracks in the first year, and people, the general consensus was it was too much choice. So, so we got it down to three last year, and people tended to be happy with that. Um, so we we stuck with three, but obviously because we got the additional day, we was able to add um, a number of presenters. So we got fifty five presenters this year, as opposed to the the, the forty we had last year. Um, we will on the on the. Friday evening, we will be doing something with Adam Eason. He'll be he'll be doing another panel where people from around the world will. Uh, I, I think you know you're good friends with Frederick Mao, right? He, yes. Uh, he, he'll be one of them. Freddie Jackwin, Alberto, um, Adam's fickle. I'm sure. I'm sure if you offered him a slot on the podcast, he'd probably throw you in there. <laughs> he's, he's he's shameless like that. No, I he, still um, need to get him on mine. I've been on his. Exactly. Yeah. So um, he's, he's doing a he's doing a panel thing on the Friday night. Then we'll hopefully have a little bit of music after that. Um, you know, being in the UK, one of the biggest complaints feedback I got was that the bar wasn't open twenty four hours. <laughs> we, we take our work seriously here in the UK. So so it's probably going to be a little messier, but it's also we're trying to make it a little bit more professional as well to give it a bit of balance. So we're doing we're doing. Um, 
a bit more of a, a conservative panel Q&A on the Friday night that Adam's uh, going to be taking care of and hosting and, and, and doing it for his own Hypnosis Weekly thing. Um, on the Saturday night, we've got Melissa Tears um, doing the keynotes uh, uh, doing the keynote speech, should I say? One of the one of the bits of feedback that I, I you know, I was very aware of was that there's a disproportionate amount of um, men, male speakers, to women, um, and so I was very mindful that I, I, that I think the split now is something like fifty three to forty seven percent, which still isn't enough for some people, unfortunately. But um, the problem is. It's just there's a lot more male applicants. Mm-hmm. So, so as much as I'm trying to make the numbers totally even, I'm, I'm still having to um, reject, you know, three male applicants to every one female applicant. So I've, I've been very mindful that that we needed to, to make it more even. Yeah, I'm curious to ask, what would you say is unique about this event? Um, I, well, I, I think one of the things is. I'm not expecting anything of anyone there. So, you know, I'm not... I will proudly deliver that for... No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. I have such low expectations. That's what makes it... No, what I mean is that there's... No one has to pay me a registration fee. It's not open to any membership of any organisation I have because there is no organisation affiliated with it. I'm not selling my own training because I don't offer any. Um... And, and I think that actually frees people up to express themselves a little bit. It does, yes. More freely. You know, this isn't a criticism, but because Omni, for instance, have a, have a huge stamp in places like Berlin and Zurich and that, invariably is very Omni-heavy. So, so and, and that kind of conducts the tone of the conversation, that, that there isn't a, a, enough challenge or, or diverse opinion there, for instance. Whereas the UK... Um, there, there is no organisational bias at all, um, and and so they can be as critical as they like to, to me. I, I'm as open as much to constructive criticism because it's very organic. You know, anyone who attends contributes in their feedback to how the next convention is going to be. Um, the the atmosphere there is great. Like I said, from the from the start, the the presenters really embraced. The, the idea and the ethos of the convention. That during the day, they they make a point. It's, it's not that big as well, so it's more accessible, should we say, than uh, a hypno thoughts on NGH, which is spread around a, a larger space. So, so this year I'm going to cap it again, so that every presenter is accessible. Mm-hmm. So that in between presentations, people get to mingle with everyone. Excellent. Yeah. So, where uh, where could people find more about the event? So, so pretty much, uh, we got the Facebook group as well, which is UK Hypnosis Convention, um, and 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 the website's got everything you need to know, and that includes um, the four pre-convention and four post-convention classes um, that we are running as well, and and and. and we, you know, again, listening to feedback, we we tried to we moved it one so we could expand its size. But I don't know the last time you've been to London. Uh, uh, it was uh, 1990. Um, but uh, <laughs> well, the dollar's stronger now. Yes. Anyway. So, so for your for your US listeners, it's literally like popping down the road. Mm-hmm. But 
We've even got, you know, the, the hotel that we're doing it in this year, the Renaissance Hotel in Heathrow, is half the cost hotel room wise than the one in Canary Wharf in London. So, so, for, so, you know, we wanted to make it as accessible as possible from a from a commuting, from a travelling, and from a cost perspective. Um, so, yeah, UKHypnosisConvention.net or .co.uk. Um, and you can find all the information you need. You can, you can email info at UK Convention on any questions you have, and um, I'll try and answer them in a speedy fashion. Um, and uh, you're, you're over as well, aren't you, Jason, before then? Yeah, I'm going to be there uh, in June uh, for Work Smart Hypnosis Live in London, which I'm doing uh, June 9th and 10th, and then uh, heading back over to be there for the convention too. Fantastic. So I'll try and pop up and, and grab you for a beer then. Uh, you might want to – you're doing it with Carl, are you? You might want to escape for a while. <laughs> uh, you, might, you might have been all cold out by then. It's so, a bit of a tight schedule, but we'll see, we'll see what we can do. He, he lets me gate crash these things. Nice. Yeah. Um, he's, he's always good. He's let me gate crash a couple of things before, so I might sit in at the back yeah. for the last hour just so I can buy you a beer. There you go. <laughs> well, Nick, it's been awesome having you on here. Thanks for having me, Jason. Jason Lynette here once again. And as always, thank you so much for joining me on this program and looking forward to seeing you soon over in the United Kingdom. First option, of course, would be the Work Smart Hypnosis Live in London course, which is happening June 9th and 10th. All the details online at worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash UK or join all of us, the 60 plus of us who are going to be over at the UK Hypnosis Convention. Of course, the attendance is going to be higher than that, but that's the number of speakers you're going to have there, along with Nick, myself, and many others. Get all the details for that over at UKHypnosisConvention.net. Look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at WorkSmartHypnosis.com. 